This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services announces they've taken the first step in bringing affordable drugs to Florida by getting them from Canada. Apparently, socialized medicine isn't always a bad thing. Fresh off his impeachment drama, Donald Trump is coming to Florida this weekend to speak to a few thousand conservative students from across the country who are gathering in South Florida. State workers rally at the old Capitol building to make their case for an across-the-board pay raise. That's only happened twice in the past two decades. Senate President Bill Galvano defends his plan to build three new toll roads in Florida and says he doesn't believe the federal biologist who predicts one of those roads will lead to the extinction of the Florida Panther. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with Florida Man, who sometimes makes us proud. Today is one of those days. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, December 19th. Earlier this year, Governor Ron DeSantis championed a plan to lower the cost of prescription drugs by allowing them to be imported from Canada, where prices for the same drugs made in the same factories are less expensive. That cannot happen without approval from the feds, so it was big news when Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar traveled to Tallahassee to say it's going to happen. President Trump has made lowering drug prices and increasing access to safe, effective, and affordable prescription drugs a top priority of his entire presidency. We know this is a real challenge for many Americans, including many Floridians. The average Floridian on Medicare is still paying $367 a year out of pocket for the drugs that they need. President Trump's made it a top priority to lower these costs. And for the first time in history, HHS and FDA are open for business on importation. The importation proposals being announced today are a historic step forward in the President's efforts. We're announcing two actions today. First, the FDA is proposing to authorize states to develop programs that would allow importation of certain prescription drugs from Canada. Second, we're publishing a draft guidance that drug manufacturers can follow to facilitate importation of FDA-approved drugs into the United States. This would potentially allow for the sale of these drugs at lower list prices than currently offered to American consumers, giving drug makers new flexibility to reduce prices. That announcement was welcome news for Governor DeSantis, who has spent a lot of time lobbying the president to get this done. You know, this is only one step, and I've always said, you know, there's no silver bullet with this, but this is a step that no one's been willing to take for almost 20 years. Uh, all the way back to 20, 2003, you've had presidents of both parties, you've had secretaries of both parties, and yet until now we haven't done it. So I think that this is a big uh, step forward. Um, obviously we're going to be engaged as the rulemaking process goes, goes through, but if you think about it, you know, we passed this legislation and I signed it I think in May. And, um, you know, we work with Secretary Azar, and sometimes people are like, oh, well, when's this going to happen? But, I mean, this is not easy stuff, and for them to be here now, you know, they've worked, they've worked really hard on this, so, so we're really uh, excited. But there's no reason for you to get excited just yet. Mary Mayhew at the Agency for Healthcare Administration says it'll take more than a year to jump through all the legal hoops before Canadian drugs are available to Floridians. The agency takes seriously the president's sense of urgency on this issue. 
I would anticipate that we would be looking at over a year as the rulemaking process in, in Washington has uh, certain parameters that it has to comply with. But again, unlike some rulemaking that may stretch on for several years, we remain optimistic that we could see this in a matter of a year or so. While you wait for that to happen, it might be tempting to go online and find a Canadian pharmacy to fill your scripts. Azar says don't do it. What it is not is saying that people can or should go online and buy from unauthorized so-called Canadian pharmacies to get drugs. You are taking your life in your own hands when you do that. You are not buying drugs that are the same necessarily as what a Canadian gets when they walk in to a Canadian pharmacy. These are drugs that often their only connection, if at all, is that they waved at Canada on their way to your mailbox from some other country. They could be subpotent, counterfeit, adulterated, contain very dangerous inactive or active ingredients. Um, there are, of course, authorized U.S. online pharmacies. But what so many people have been beguiled into using, these are not safe. What the governor and I and other governors and the president are working on is a system to connect the safe Canadian system with the safe American system to bring savings to the American patient. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. This was happening at the same time the U.S. House of Representatives was impeaching Donald Trump. Governor DeSantis and Secretary Azar denied the announcement was time to divert your attention, and they described the impeachment as a circus. You know, I've, I've said on the same, and I think, I think we, everyone in this room knows how this is ultimately going to end. I mean, so, and I think that's why it has, has lost support with the public, um, and it's not something that's really energizing a lot, of, uh, a lot of folks in the middle. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think the fact that we're doing this shows that the administration's pushing forward on doing things. President Trump and I, we're just not going to be distracted by this, this silly partisanship on the sidelines. We're bringing transparency to pricing in our health care system. We're driving ahead, bringing basically a personalized, affordable, patient-centric health care system to the American people that puts the patient at the center and that treats them like a human being, not a number. And we're just not going to be distracted by any other nonsense that's going on in Washington because the people's business is simply too important. And this is one really important example of that. No surprise there. DeSantis and Azar both have hitched their wagons to the president's caravan, and both men owe their current jobs to Donald Trump. So what do you do after you've been impeached? Well, the president will be in Florida this weekend for a conference of young conservatives. Donald Trump will be speaking at Turning Point USA in West Palm Beach on Saturday. Other speakers include Sean Hannity, Rudy Giuliani, former White House spokeswoman Sarah Sanders, Donald Trump Jr., and Florida Congressman Matt Gates. Ken Starr, who led the investigation that resulted in the impeachment of President Bill Clinton, is also on the agenda. The White House says Trump will address about 3,000 student leaders from across the country. If you check out the governor's new $91.4 billion budget, you'll find almost a billion dollars in new money for pay raises and bonuses for teachers and principals. But if you look for any money to provide pay raises for state workers, you'll find nothing but zeros. Tallulah Thomas with the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees says that has to change. We are here today demanding a raise for state employees. It's long overdue. And employees in those areas across the state are working in unsafe working conditions after post-Michael. They are working in conditions that is not right. 
We are working long hours, days that they are supposed to go home, they are having to cover another shift. Days when they're supposed to be off, they are having to get their off-duty days taken. It is time that the governor give us what we need and the state needs a raise. We demand a raise this year. Thomas is one of the state employees who gathered on the steps of the old Capitol building to protest the governor's budget. Over the past 20 years, there have only been two across-the-board pay raises for state workers, and those were pretty much wiped out by, well, higher health care premiums and an increase in deductions for their pensions. Dave Jacobson is an AFSCME retiree who says today's state workers don't get any respect from the people who run state government. It's about time you recognize the worth of your public servants and give them a 5% raise. Governor Santos, you want to give teachers a $47,000 beginning salary. Do you know that 70% of your career service workers earn less than $40,000? That's $8,500 less than Florida's annual average salary for workers. On behalf of my working brothers and sisters, I demand that you pay your most important resource, your dedicated public servants, a living wage. The union and the state are still bargaining over next year's contract, but that's mostly for show. Even if the state's negotiators agree to a pay raise, the legislature has the final say. And most of the time, they say no way. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. A lot of people give their opinions on politics and not just the talking heads on cable news. Everyone has an opinion. Sometimes a gentleman's wager can be the best way to tell how much someone believes their own spin. That's why you should check out what Predict It is doing. Predict It is like the stock market, but for politics. Instead of buying and selling oil futures, you can buy and sell shares in everything from who the Democratic nominee will be to if the president will be impeached. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Sunrise listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Back in May, the governor signed a bill championed by Senate President Bill Galvano called MCORS, which stands for Multi-Use Corridors of Regional Economic Significance. The plan is to spend billions of dollars on three new toll roads in South, Central, and North Florida. Trish Neely with the League of Women Voters says it will end the Florida that we know today. The three new regional transportation corridors will impact 350 miles of some of Florida's best natural and agricultural land. It will destroy native habitats and thousands of acres of wetlands that filter our drinking water. These new tolled roads will lead to sprawling development which is bad for rural communities who are not set up for that sprawl. Dozens of groups representing millions of Floridians have created a coalition, what they call the Roads to Ruin group. But Galvano thinks their fears about increased pollution and urban sprawl and the loss of natural habitat and agricultural lands are overblown and ill-informed. Well, I, I think you, you have a, a group of opponents that, that have really not uh, taken the time to understand the whole uh, opportunity that exists with the MCORs. It's MCORs because it's multi-use corridors. And the uh, chairman of the committee and the committee that produced the, the bill went to great lengths to include opportunities for uh, input, uh, in, including the task force, uh, task forces that are, are engaging and analyzing uh, these potential opportunities. We 
live in a state where 900 people a day are coming here to live. Our, what do we have? 127 million people who visited us last year. Uh, we cannot continue to plan uh, infrastructure in reverse. We have to get it ahead of it. And a big component of MCORS is the opportunity for water and sewer connectivity, which would be a, a great benefit to the environment, as well as uh, fixed broadband access, which would provide uh, economic opportunities as well as safety uh, opportunities for, you know, first responders in some of these rural areas and educational opportunities. So I, I have, have faith in, in the uh, DOT and in the task forces as they look at these issues. And, and uh, if you, you don't have opponents, then you probably haven't done anything really bold, as my friend Governor Bush used to say. Will there be a continuing challenge, though, to come up with that funding on a yearly basis over the next, you know, 10 to 15 years? No, I think we're, we've got it on track, and, and uh, I, I'm confident as, you know, we're based on the timeline and the decisions that are being made that it will, will stay on track from a funding standpoint. Opponents of MCORs are also worried about its effect on wildlife. A biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has even predicted that one of those toll roads will lead to the extinction of the state's official animal, the Florida panther. Galvano doesn't buy it. No, and I, and I saw that, and... Uh, you know, I, I think that that's one perspective. I think it's overstated, frankly. And, you know, we, we have uh, people within our, our state agencies and others that are, are looking at it that will take all of these things into consideration. If that is true, is that acceptable collateral damage to get the roads built? If it is true, well, like I said, I believe it's uh, uh, completely overstated. And I've emphasized that as part of, of this program, we have to... Uh, be cognizant of of the em environmental impacts and so uh the answer is no we're not going to destroy the environment for the sake of of uh particular infrastructure but there are ways to accomplish what we need to do in order to sustain our state uh, that takes all of these things into consideration the uh the population is going to continue to grow the need will continue to be there and if we're forward thinking we'll actually have a net benefit to the environment whether it's it's focusing some of our mitigation opportunities on on conservation and even coastal resilience uh looking for innovative uh components to these infrastructure programs like autonomous and other other type of, of mass transit opportunities so it's it's a planning for reality and not not just you know uh, throwing up opposition because folks are coming members of the roads to ruin coalition say these toll roads are an existential threat to florida's environment but galvano says it doesn't have to be that way with proper planning with understanding uh, the potential impacts of of folks coming here and living in, in, in uh, uh, operating within the boundaries of our state, we can, can find a real, a real balance to, to just say, let's continue to widen roads, let's figure out how to go back and mitigate or, or have tertiary plans like we've seen in this state for a long time. That's, it's not working. Galvano says he is confident the legislature will come up with enough money every year to make those roads a reality. Your calendar of events starts with the Revenue Estimating Conference, meeting at 9 to discuss Article 5 revenues. Those help fund the state court system. State Representatives Joe Casello of Boynton Beach and Mike Caruso of Delray Beach speak at Palm Beach State College starting at 9.30 at the South Florida Fair Expo Center in West Palm Beach. 
The State Consumer Health Information and Policy Advisory Council meets at 10 at the Agency for Healthcare Administration in Tallahassee. Staff members for Senator Marco Rubio will be available to speak with constituents at 10 in Orlando at the Bithlow Christmas Neighborhood Center for Families. The State Board of Education will hold a conference call to discuss an amended budget request for the next fiscal year and the Florida Virtual School. The Florida Supreme Court is scheduled to release its regular weekly opinions at 11. The Revenue Estimating Conference meets at 1.30 to talk about issues related to unclaimed properties. The Florida Department of Transportation will host two meetings to talk about MCOR's Turnpike expansion plans at 5.30 tonight. One of those will be at the Community Center in Wildwood. The second open house is at the Community Center in Mayo. Congressman Matt Gates will speak during a Republican Party of Palm Beach County holiday party. It starts at 6 at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach. And Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez will speak during a Republican Party of Miami-Dade County holiday dinner at 6.30. And finally today, a Florida man who really understands what the holiday spirit is all about. 73-year-old Mike Esmond of Gulf Breeze never forgot the Christmas of 83 when he and his three daughters spent the holiday without heat or power because he couldn't pay the utility bill. Esmond walked into the Gulf Breeze City Hall earlier this month asking for a list of all the utility accounts that were past due. There were 36 families on that list. They owed a total of $4,600, and Esmond paid off their accounts. Well done, Florida man. Well done. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.